Felicia from the Mike moment is my you princess. You I've been entertaining audiences with a unique Joey style has of provocative humor since the 90s, alright? With her tongue-in-cheek, she's been exploring some topics of the dynamics of the male-female relationships, or as we call them here in the studio, dirty thoughts, and the proliferation of the sensual feminist. She's a little firecracker rolled up, and that's why I love her, and that's why you're going to love listening. So tune in, alright? Greetings to all you podcasters out there in Podcastville. Beauty and the Beast. We're back, Felicia Michaels. Joey Diaz. What's up, you beautiful ray of sunlight, you? Oh, you know what? Today I feel like a ray of sunlight. You look beautiful today. You yes, look great, too. Your great hair day. looks awesome. That's right. They had a diet. I'm doing a movie on Friday, so they didn't want all the white hair, so they asked me if they could diet, and they were kind of like scared about it. They were like, do you mind if we, because you're not going to wear a hat this time? And I'm like, no, I don't care. And I thought they were going to put the shit where they leave the white hair in, but I look like some Korean guy now. You know no, you don't. Did, was your wife like me? Yeah. Yeah, she likes it. She yeah. was like, oh, it looks good, blah, 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 but dead. I like the white in it. Ah, who gives a fuck? It's just hair dye, you know? Yeah. It's all right, though. Yeah. Now you got to dye the, the bottom. A friend of mine, she's like, my husband's never going to know that my that I'm having gray hair down there. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, I get, she goes and gets just for men and does it on her vagina. Does she really? <laughs> That's fucking crazy. That is some fucking commitment to your man. That's that's, that's love. I, I, if I was eating a monkey and I seen a white hair, I, I wouldn't be mad. Really? Nah, why would I be mad? It's just a little white hair. Move it out of the way and get the licking. Yeah. You know, get the licking. What are you looking at, cocksucker? Get the licking, bitch. I know. the yoga I had a bunch of calls weird people like just weird people call me but this one girl called me three times I know what it's about and a couple weeks ago on the podcast I talked about the DiLorenzo house the uh-huh. guy that died Amiel Bonehead and his brother used to snort coke and the grandmother they fell asleep while they were making the french fries and right the heroin right. people okay well the heroin guy died so it's down to Kurt and he was the really good looking one he was the very good looking yeah. De Niro looking one then there yeah. was Amy uh, Chris is the middle one the one that, that stole my ID and he got arrested with my ID, and they kept asking him, are you Jose Diaz? Yes, I'm Jose Diaz. Kidnapping, aggravated. No, I'm not Jose Diaz. <laughs> so that was the end of that tune. And then there's Kurt, who's in he Miami. He learned his lesson. Oh, he learned his lesson. Kurt's in Miami. He's all fucked up. He, he, but they're my brothers. You know, I right. just don't talk to him that much anymore. But I got a call just now from Lisa Messina, my friend, and she said that the mother was in the hospital, and they're waiting for her to die. Oh. That she's got kidney failure and something else, and she's been in the hospital for three weeks. And I got to tell you, you know, God took away my blood, but he opened my eyes to, he put other people in my life that substituted my mother, and they weren't blood. And that's the biggest bond you can have in life. True, you know, it's true. People grow up with brothers and sisters, and they hate them, or a father or a mother. But when you're close with somebody for a long time, you start, you know, you start testing, you start, uh, not testing, but, you know, asking, like, what is this? You know, God took away my mom. But she put, you know, as a ride in my life. She put, right. you know, uh, the Balzano mom in my life. But most importantly, she put Barbara DiLorenzo in my life. Barbara DiLorenzo was an Irish chick from Hoboken. And she married Emil DiLorenzo, and they had the three fucking lunatics that I right. grew up with. Right. But Barbara's a tough Irish chick. Like, she was tough, you know? And I met her as a young man, and I remember I would be in the daytime. I'd be out walking around looking at case houses, you know? And I'd see her walking, and I'd walk her to work, to the electrician's unit. Uh-huh. She was a secretary for the electrician's unit. And then after I got... In trouble, she hooked me up with this dude named Tommy Kenny, one of the guys she grew up with that was a Westie. So a lot of people don't know who the Westies are. The Westies are the Irish Mafia, and there was only eight of them. Is that around Hell's Kitchen? That's Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, there right. There were eight right. of them, 
and they were just killing people, just fucking kidnapping gangsters and holding them to ransom for the Gambinos. Finally, the mob had to sit them down and explain to them, you know, you Irish animals. There were eight of them, and they were killing people. Uh, and it's just so weird. Tommy Kenny was the guy that used to get me jobs to case warehouses out. Like, he'd say, listen, you're going to get a job at this warehouse. Case the fucking thing. Da, da, da. But anyway, to make a long story short, she's going to die. And I was sitting outside, and I, was, and I had a little tear in my eye, and then Fonzie came up. And put his arm under me, you know, yeah. and it was like he was thinking what I was thinking, so I didn't cry, you know. But it's just so weird that she's like my mom, and right. I don't talk to Chris now, and now I'm gonna have to talk to Chris because of the mother, because you have to put shit aside when somebody's mother dies, or any death, you know. But it breaks my heart because she was a good lady, and the last time I had a conversation was about four years ago that we really talked from the heart because she would get drunk and talk to me at night and come in and say, You're a good boy, and all this shit. And, she was telling me that her heartache was over her kids, that she had been drinking all this time. Like she used to just drink. Like she's a real Catholic. She would give up drinking for Lent, and she would give up other patches of the year. But when she's drinking, bro, she would see me in the morning. And go, Joey, come here. Here's ten dollars. Go get me a bottle of vodka. And she'd drink that Ray. motherfucker by two, and then she'd sleep the rest of the day and get up at six. And and the last couple of years, I would go home. I would stay with them, and I and I was always tighter with her than the kids and the father. And the reason why I got away with so much in that house was because of the mother, because you know how most houses are. Even though the man is the man of the house, the mother's the one that says, "Hey, he's Ray. gonna stay here." I mean, and I just feel bad because she really loved me and she wanted more out of her children. And uh, she told me that she was really proud of me because I had done something. You know, and that meant a lot to me. You know, right. and I'm getting sad because uh, it's amazing. Another person dies, you know, in, in the realm of life that you go through, and they were special in your life. You know, right. so sometimes you just, uh, I just feel bad that a kid's gonna give them more. You know, she well, just wanted more from my. I mean, she's yeah. the one that woke me up the last time I was there to go outside because Chris, listen to how cool of a mom she was. She woke me up. She's like, Coco, get up. You gotta go outside. Chris is all paranoid. He's outside looking for a leprechaun. I mean, and I had to go outside, and, and he's naked with a flashlight and a gun looking for a leprechaun and this cocaine, uh, whatever. Right. And she's like, please, Coco, go out there and save him. And I had to get the gun from him and bring him in. And we sat him down, and he looked at me and the mother, and he goes, you motherfuckers, I almost had him. You had nothing. It was a fucking, <laughs> it was an hallucination. But how she looked at him and how she touched him as a mom, I had never seen that before. I know you're tripping. I know she accepted that the son was a fucking junkie, you know. She, he would wake her up. You know how a lot of people talk when they do coke right. at five in the morning? Yeah, he yeah. would talk. He'd be nobody oh, up. Oh, do I know. He would wake, <laughs> he would wake the mother up and uh -huh. give her an ear beating. And right. the father would say, get the fuck out of here, White Lightning, because they call him White Lightning when he does coke. That's right. what he calls so, uh, oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry to, to, yeah. to start the podcast off, but I just want to R.I.P. No, I think that's, a, that's a, <coughs> a really big thing you're sharing. And uh, I'm sorry to hear that because I know that uh, uh, you spoke about her before and, and she was there for you in some oh, sense. Oh, my God. She's, she used to make me egg creams. Aww. You know, and I, that, that, that's tits. When somebody yeah. makes you egg cream on any degree day, but my, you know, they say when somebody passes to think of your fondest memory with them. And it was the night that we robbed the jewelry. I robbed this jewelry store and I was selling it in chunks. And then I went over to her house and I gave her a chain. Right. I gave her like one of the prettiest chains and the things. I can't believe you gave me a stolen chain. Oh my God. She was all excited <laughs> and shit. That's awesome. Yeah. And she goes, what are you going to do with the rest of the jewelry? And she knows I stole it. She right. knew. I'm, here right. I am in her fucking house eating right. her food. She goes, what are you do with the rest of the jewelry? She goes, leave it here. I'll sell it for you. And I said, okay. So I went back that night to pick some pieces up. And there she was with her son with all the chains around her neck. 
and he had all the chains around his neck with no shirt on, and right. they had a carpet out, like a little towel on the table, and they had the neighbors over, right. and they were doing like a jewelry <laughs> show, like it was Tupperware, and I'm like, if yeah. these motherfuckers only knew, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then this morning, I opened up the mailbox, because I always just get stupid mail and shit. And I opened up the mailbox, and there was a letter for me, a Christmas card from Carmine the Torch Balzano, right? This is a guy I grew up with. He's a, He was older. Right. He had another family. Now, did he have the name The Torch because he always had a lighter on him? No, or? he lit up. He was a cop. He was really, he, he was a cop. And he, he had a, he owned a, a combination uh, flea market strip club at night. Uh-huh. So a flea he, market strip yeah, club. Yeah, it was a flea market in the daytime and a strip club at night. That's awesome. You can't write this shit. Yeah, that's awesome. So one day he figured he had he he had his usefulness from the thing. At, at this time, we had already been growing up. I was about 15. And uh, well, I wasn't growing up, but he uh, lit the place on fire in the daytime. And two kids caught him. Two kids are like, sir, your building's on fire. He's like, oh, don't worry, but here's $10. We'll get an ice cream. <laughs> I'm a cop. I'm here. And they're like, nah. And then they pulled the alarm, but the, he burnt the thing down. So ever since he got out of that, we always called him, Carmine, you got a match. Go fuck yourself. You, know? <laughs> you got a match and shit. And he had four kids I grew up with. One kid died right. in the eighth grade. I was very tight with those kids. And uh, we all went on to do whatever. And Frankie's in the mob. The other one, Pete's fixes elevators. Jimmy's gay in Miami. And Anthony died. And it's so weird that he's adopted me like one of his sons. And I opened up the card, and there was 200 bucks in there. You know, awesome. check for 200 bucks. And I'm like, what is this? You know, and I, I called him back. I called him, this is necessary. And it's just so weird that he's like, who am I going to give it to? You know, he doesn't talk to Frankie. He doesn't talk to Jimmy. Right. You know, Jimmy doesn't want to talk to him. And Pete and him still talk. But I'm the only one that still talk. Again, another family that I just walked into their house one day. I mean, he, you know, I stuck up for his son and beat some kid up. And then they brought me home and they fed me. And this is 30 years. This is 30 years I've been interacting with these people. They know everything. Felicia, they know every right. house I run. He was a cop. He right, knew everything. Right. And he still takes the time out. To How somebody. old is he now? 62. Awesome. But he works at the city dump because Carmine is the one who taught me how to write letters. Remember I told you people how to write notes? Yeah. He's the king of writing notes. As many people as he smacked and buildings lit on fire. And the, the thing he did the most was... Did he get in trouble for lighting a He was a cop, fire? yeah. Oh, but but the, 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 the clinker resistance. This is nothing, yeah, guys. Yeah. I mean, this is going on no, all through grammar yeah, school. He yeah. beat up... Uh, in one, one fight, they got into a fight on our block and he handcuffed the guy and beat the fuck out of the guy with handcuffs on. The guy was yelling, police brutality. All the neighbors are going in the house. Fuck you. Yeah. We, another time, he lit the thing on fire. But the thing he did that he's noted for is he shot a guy in the back seven times in self-defense in his house and got away with murder. He got away with it. And he got his pension back from the police department. Wow. That's how strong Carmine is. But he right. shot a guy seven times in the back. And that's the way, if you're going to kill somebody, they always say invite him to your house. Right. Because then you kill him in your house and it's your word against his word. And he did it perfectly. The kids were out. The mother was sleeping. You know, he shot the guy seven times. The guy died. Then they... So you going to be mad that you're sharing these stories? No, this oh. came out in the newspaper. Oh. Everybody knows. Okay. This is common knowledge. But it's just so weird that this guy did so many things. And to me, it's nothing. Like, I still love him as my father. He was my father. Absolutely. He was on the block. Yeah. He fought for me. You know, he's the one that came when my mother died. He came first when... Uh, I mean, there's a thousand fucking stories that this guy did for me growing up. And even now, I tell people, like my friend The Undertaker, he, he grew up with him. He knows because yeah. he knows Carmine's crazy. And I always tell The Undertaker, hey, you know, I'm talking to Carmine. He's like, how do you talk? That guy is fucking crazy. The best thing I ever did was I got, I did the Salt Dog That Saved Christmas. Uh -huh. And the newspaper in Jersey called me and they said, can you send us pictures? Any pictures of you? And I sent a picture of me and Carmine Balzano as oh. my acting coach. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they printed it and the whole town went nuts. Awesome. Him like this hugging me with a picture. But that's how I run. Right. You know, because the new administration is the, is the uh, whatever, the Sackos, and they're kind of weird. But the Makos, that's who he worked for. And it's just amazing that after 30 years, I still talk to these people. And I consider him a parent. On his card, he even wrote, love Carmine. In parentheses, he wrote, dad. Oh, that's and, great. And I talked to Frankie, one of his sons that doesn't talk to him. And he goes, Coco, he don't talk to none of his kids. Even his own flesh and blood kids that he produced out of his nutsack. To little right. Carmine, he don't talk to no more. They don't talk to his father because he's crazy. Right. He's fucking nuts. But to me, man... It's just my hey, world. You have, everyone has uh, what you're saying in the beginning. Like, <clears throat> sometimes people that are not of your blood are the closest to you. Closest. And for sometimes great reasons, for sometimes uh, squirrely reasons, and for sometimes, quite frankly, it's, a hey, man, fucked it's up reasons. <laughs> it's the North Bergen, New Jersey okay. model, bitch. That's okay. Hey, <laughs> a friend is somebody you can call for bail money. A best friend is somebody who's sitting next right. to you in the cell. fucking around here beauty of the beast let's give a shout out to our beautiful sponsors skinindustries.com elite and athletic apparel hats t-shirts sweatshirts get your skin now go to skin.com and order something now tell them uncle joey and felicia sent you and what about adamandeve.com bring it down adamandeve.com you know sometimes life can get a little boring sometimes you know you keep having the same old meat and potatoes day after day and uh, and then sometimes you need to get on the internet and buy fucking a couple dildos, some you know uh, French ticklers, uh, a thing you put over like a little neoprene uh, cock ring with a vibrator to hit your woman's clit. Look, sometimes you just need to do that too. And if you're in the mood, why don't you go to AdamandEve.com, order whatever you got to order, and in the promotional box, would you please put Felicia F E L I C I A. And uh, uh, if you do that, you will get, uh, what will they get? They will get three free movies. They will get a free gift, a lotion, stay hard cream, something like that, asshole opener. And they also get free shipping. How's that one for you? That's And they uh, 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 get three movies. Did you mention that? Mm -hmm. You did mention that. Okay, good. Um, so that's what we would like you to do. And the truth is, look, if you go to Adam and Eve, they'll, they'll give you that deal. But just throw in my name so that they know that we're sitting here plugging them and that they will keep paying for our RSS feed. That would be lovely. That's lovely. <laughs> that's why we do this shit, people. husband uh, had a family that he was very close to and uh, the mother was like his second mother and uh, my mother passed away when I was younger so when we worked together for quite a while and I used to uh, we used to hang out with his family all the time and she was like almost like my mom too like a wonderful wonderful lady and then when my ex-husband and I separated you know I thought uh, you know they're gonna have to be on his side you know why why am I going to just sit here and everyone tries to be polite and then ugliness is going to come up and then it's going to get weird and then my feelings are going to get hurt. The truth is, they should be on his side. I'll miss her as my surrogate mother. She should be on his side. So what I did is I called everyone up in that family and I said, you know what, he's really going to need you and it's important that you're there for the, him solely. And I just wanted to say like, 
you know, let's uh, agree to uh, call it like it is and, and be adults about it. But thank you so much for being my friend. You mean so much to me. And you know what? It was the right thing to do because now, every once in a while, I see one of the members of the family. And I still love them because nothing got too personal or ugly. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I was, they're happy to see you, believe it or not. They're happy to see me because, because you know what? They're very happy to see you. I let them off the hook. It's so, and sometimes you need to kind of do that, know when to break free from someone. But absolutely, it's really awesome when you have people in your life that are there as your surrogate parent, as your surrogate brother, uh, as your friend who are not of your blood. And uh, so It's that. a weird, it's a different uh, experience. It really is. I've never had a brother or sister. I have a sister in Cuba. I haven't talked to her. Um, and it's just so weird, you know, you hang out with people, you have friends in your life and you have acquaintances, but then one day you realize you have a real ally yes. and it's the last person that you expect. And you know, you're married. She should be your ally. That's given. Exactly, that, there's things yeah. in life that are given, you know, a brother is given, but when a family or a certain situation, a person reaches out to you, I mean, I gotta be honest here. I think about this shit that they're the ones that straighten me out in a way because everything I did was to get all those parents and people that were in my corner to love me, you know. I wanted to prove to them that, yeah, I fucked up when I was younger, but this is my gift to you guys for believing in me. This is for Ascalise to let me take showers in this house at night. And like I said, all the people that were weird to me, like he has three sisters, Mike Ascalise. He's got one sister that's a big shot. The other sister's really beautiful. But the medium sister's really beautiful also. But she was the nice one in the family, and she's the one that used to open the back door for me and say, hey, I got you a shirt right. from my dad. She never mentioned it to nobody. It wasn't something like when they left it, they said, you know, Coco take showers at my house because he's homeless. No. And just that little thing, I learned compassion. I really learned human compassion, and it's, uh, you don't learn about, you can't read about compassion until you see it. When you see compassion, I'm not talking about the guy that pulls over and takes the dog off the road or the cat off the road. I'm talking about somebody who has no reason to give you compassion. And they give you compassion in a way that you don't see it. Like, you just, you want to do good for them. Right. And that was my whole thing for them. Listen, man, all those years I was doing blow, the last thing I wanted was to for them to get the call and say, hey, Coco died last night. What did he do? He died of an OD. Fuck, you know? He gave up. That's, to me, that would be giving up. You know, right. it's cool, cool, you party. But if you OD'd on a drug and died, I gave up to those people. They knew. That was, that was it, it, they weren't shocked by it. I never wanted, I wanted to shock people in a different direction. Yeah. You know, especially my friends, all those guys that did shit for me. So when this type of situation happens in my life, it just makes me stronger because I know, uh, you know, it's just amazing. What yeah, sometimes because the, the feelings death you have uh, around uh, death are some of the most honest feelings uh, that you can experience. There's no fucking around with it, you know? No, either you like that person or you fucking don't or you, you empathize for their death or whatever. You know, we've had about five people die in the last three weeks. This is the time of the year oh, that yeah, people yeah, pop, at least yeah. in my life. And uh, it's very weird. I learned a lesson from all of them. You know, as, as you're thinking about how your life and their life mixed, you learn a lesson from them. You know, uh, Vincent Bonfaglio died and learned that he was my biggest fan. And I didn't know it till he died. And, and I was good to him. You know, it's not like I wish I would have been better. I was good to Vincent, you know. Patrick, the Medina kid that died, I always laugh with Patrick. We did rooms together and stuff like that. My friend from North Bergen, Jim Giuliano, I mean, I know him as a kid. It, it, but you take these debts and you're like, wow, what did that person mean to me? And I'm going to work better on that part of my life, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. So when somebody dies in your life, people, yeah, the first you hear the news, it's, it's fucking mind-blowing. It's... 
and you you, you heard inside and the, and, the, and the tighter you are with the person you know spiritually and lovingly it, it hurts your stomach more right. it affects you you know yeah. you really feel it in your heart well but, I uh, had an experience Joey when my brother passed away and it was horrific uh uh, I, a few days later, I was talking to my girlfriend. I don't know if I spoke about this before, uh, and uh, and we were. I was very depressed, and then I just said to her, you know, whenever someone leaves my life, someone enters my life. And I know that sounds like horseshit, and uh, some of you are punching your fucking iPod right now, like Christ <laughs> with that shit. But the truth is, later that afternoon, we got a phone call. Uh, from the adoption agency where we had adopted our first son and they uh, said that there was another baby available and and like uh sure you know it's coincidence and all that kind of stuff but you you just have to honestly believe you know that uh, when something monumental happens like death or or whatever it is that uh that, if we close the door another one opens absolutely and, and and i know now uh we both deserve a punch in the face for saying that but it's the fucking truth it's the truth you know like, it's the truth shit once you hit 35 40 you you understand it's the fucking truth and uh and, uh, what you really realize when you're 35, 40 and people die around you is that this world is true. Yeah. And you have so much time and so many things to do in that fucking time. But you don't know the last result. You're never going to know when they're going to come tap you on the shoulder and say, it's over, cocksucker. You never really know, so you have to work harder. That's what all this death and shit does right. to me. It makes me go, wow, this is fucking real. I go, This shit I want to do in my life, I better do it over before... My kidney goes down or my, you know. Right. I mean, there's days I wake up and I'm like, I can't believe I'm fucking still alive. Right. But you know yeah. what I hate? I hate when people just beat themselves up all the time over, I, you know, because I know a lot of people work on that level of like, fuck, I got to pull something together. And then they freak out and shut down. And uh, and I know so many people like that when, when uh, like I have my friend, a uh, girlfriend who has a little boy and she works her ass off as a receptionist, never can get ahead. And it beats herself up because she wants to uh, write this book that she's been working on and it's like dude stop fucking beating yourself up you work full time you get no help you get no child support you live in one of the most expensive cities in, in the world like it's you know you got to look at you know maybe your biggest gift is what you give your son because you're an awesome fucking mom and and i hate when people beat themselves up sometimes the biggest uh, gift you can give to yourself is just fucking relaxing and uh understand that that this is part of the ride this is part of your purpose Yesterday, I was working, and I seen that I got a call from a buddy of mine in Texas, and he was calling me because he had gotten an audition for me. Somebody had emailed him in Texas. They Googled him, and he goes, listen, Joey, I got a lot of information about you. He goes, as a matter of fact, he goes, did you post something up on YouTube or something a couple of weeks ago or something? He goes, I've gotten a handful of emails. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you posted something on YouTube about a fag or beating up a fag. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, dog, I'm getting some fucking emails from some notable names. People that I remember from Hollywood, that they think I'm your fucking agent. He goes, pull that down, you know? So I sat there for an hour, and I, we were shooting a movie, and then I had lunch. And I had to call Kellum anyway, so I called Kellum. I go, Kellum, can I ask you a question? I know that people contact you for a lot of shit about me. Have you got any weird emails about a video? He goes, as a matter of fact, I did. He goes, I got like three of them. And what did you put up? He goes, what is it? He was laughing. He didn't care. Yeah. He's like, and I explained to him that, you know, when I was 16... Uh, like a lot of other kids, and I'm going to interweave this this conversation because 
We have a friend that a lot of people on this podcast know. His name is Duncan Trussell. He dates uh, the girl from the last comic, yeah, whatever. Right. Duncan Trussell's a very funny comedian. I've known Duncan for 10 years. Early on, Duncan was going through a lot of stuff relationship-wise, and he started hanging out with these people in Silver Lake that were devil worshippers. <laughs> and he would go to these parties, and he would tell me about them, and I would go, Duncan, you know, I love you like a brother, Duncan. I got to tell you something. You don't know the animals you're dealing with. No, they're just friends. I, dog, you don't know the animals you're dealing with. You, you Check yourself on this. This might be something that's a little scary for you. It becomes a fucking reality, and you're in already. Now you're, you're there. Right. They're stabbing a fucking cat, and they got a woman tied up in the bathroom, and you're there drinking smoking dope with them. You're in now. Yeah. When the affidavits go down, you're in. Right. And now yeah. you're in. After that, yeah. you gotta eat. it's like anything, you know. <laughs> right. And I was telling, you know, the story in 19, uh, whatever, I was 16 or 17, and, you know, I, I fell into the guy thing where you lift weights and you run, and, and I was never much of a fighter or nothing like that, but I always felt I could defend myself. And I just got into this rut. I was broke and I was into lifting. And the kids I hung out with would run at night to the George Washington Bridge and back and then do push-ups and ride a bike up the stairs and wee-hawking and carry it. What the fuck? Right. We're, you know, we're, right. we're playing professional football, but you get caught into that. Yeah. And I felt I was in very good shape. And I had this friend, Bazako that is dad. And, and at night we go down. People would say I had this friend, Davey Thomas. And they would go down to Boulevard East and mug fags. And there was no violence. They would just hold like a knife to him and say, I want the money. You know, it was like a combination of uh, you want your dick sucked, come out in the weeds, and then they pull a knife on him. It was like, it was like a burn on a drug deal. Right. We want to buy drugs, and when you get there, there's no money. The same thing I did with the kidnapping. Right. But it's let's a, not say there was no violence because that's, that's violent. But, well, there wasn't violence in the beginning. It started right. out with just muggings. Right. And then I, the, the kids who started the, the whole mugging thing was on 64th. That's the craziest area in North Bergen. These guys are white motherfuckers that are crazy. They're into Sabbath and parties. And I used to go to that area. I loved it. The acid. And I went to see a Ted Nugent concert with them. These guys are crazy. Right. And they would fight you to the end. And they had this Irish family called the Thomases. And the Thomas, the younger Thomas, was a fucking pimp. Thinking back on him now, he looked like Jan Michael Vincent. In oh, fact, no. in my high school, <laughs> there, was a, there was a field day thing that every year like in May they would have a day where they had amusement parks come in and they got canceled because one year Davy Thomas got caught fucking this Hindu girl in the bathroom in North Bergen that was in she wouldn't no, no rape this girl was bad to the bone didn't speak English Davy Thomas is in there banging her they canceled field day no more field day I always became friends with the Thomases I knew a couple of the brothers and he w was the one that mugged a, a fucking fag one time and took him home he made the step to go home with the guy and then mug him when they got home and he played his piano. He was Lawrence Welk's piano player. I think I taught, talked about this before. And, I mean, this is fucking nuts. So after a while, this was a big thing in North Bergen. Like, people were like, all these little young criminals are like, let's go mug these people on Boulevard East. And I got caught up with that. I went down there one night, and I watched how they did it. And it was fucking amazing. It was just fucking crazy. These cars would pull up. And, and these business people, guys with suits, with families. I, I want to get my dick sucked. Looking for young guys. And my buddies would take them into the weeds in Hudson County Park and mug them before the dicks came out and all this shit. It was fucking amazing. Look at Felicia's got her face on. <laughs> this is fucking amazing. <laughs> this is fucking amazing i mean and i'm sitting there i'm 16 oh, it's 1980 do not edit this i'll fucking stab you you can't and, and i didn't know what was going on so now one night i'm broke and i bet the knicks and i decide to go down there and it's what i tell people you never know what you're getting yourself involved into Think about it twice. It just wasn't going down, and these fags were just going to give up their money. Eventually, fags get together at a coffee shop, and they talk about this shit. And the year was 1982. 
1981, so we're going to refer to them as fags. That was the word then. Gay was not popularized. So forgive me for my language and my vernacular, as people say. You know what I'm saying? So, because yeah, I, I brought that up before. That right. So let's get that out of the okay, way. Yeah, it was called fag bagging. So, right. again, I called my buddy, and he's with his girlfriend, and I got to go down there by myself. So here I thought I was a tough guy. It was really a metamorphosis story that I put on YouTube. If you watch the video on YouTube, it's not glamorizing at all. The guy who put it up put up there how to mug a fag. It's not instructions on how to mug a fag. That's, that's something you don't do. You follow me? But at, at 16 in 1980, they were still blacklisted. Yeah. So they were still hands-on. You could do whatever you want. Here's these creepy old guys coming down to get their dick sucked, and they ended up getting mugged down on Boulevard East. So I decided to go down there one night thinking I knew about the world, thinking I was a big, bad motherfucker because right. I ran off George Washington Bridge, and I lifted weights, and I tried to mug a guy, and he beats the living fuck out of me. Not to the point that he smacked me a couple times like I was uh, like Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez and somebody called it. This guy punched the fuck out of me. You know, and then he hit me 20 good times to the head. I had lumps on my head. He broke my nose. He broke the inside of my lip. This is no fucking joke. Right. I was on the bottom end of this. So if you're gay, please do not get offended. This is a flag in your fucking hat. You know, this, this story is a flag in the gay community's hat that somebody, some idiot fat jerk-off tried to mug him, and he beat up the fucking gay guy. Right. I went home after that traumatized. Like I, and after that, I did call for tennis lessons because I knew fighting wasn't in my career. Right. You know, I knew fighting wasn't in my career. I was tough. I took the punches to the head, but I knew it wasn't. And it was like an evolution for everybody that night. It made cool. me respect gay men. It right. made me respect myself and knowing who the fuck I was. And I realized that was not the line of business I wanted so to get into. when you went down there as a 16-year-old, did you... Uh, dislike gay men did it make not you at comfortable all. not it at was all just purely not at like, all not at all it was like weak they're coming weak. down and they get their dick sucked and they're I'm, doing something illegal and i'm gonna do something illegal so two wrongs always make a right that was my thinking at 16 at 16 you know 17 that's your fucking thinking you're a kid god took your mother again that's no excuse for my behavior but when, when a death comes to you when you're a bad kid and you turn on yourself and your religion, I turned on everything. There was no God. How can God take your mother away? So the, day, the next day when you're... When I woke up with ice bags all over my fucking head and my lip was broken. Right. And I couldn't even leave the house from the embarrassment because I thought somebody would know. But after terms, my, the guy that slept on the floor next to me, Mike Runney, asked me what happened. And, and I told him and we laughed about it. Right. <coughs> When did, did, because I know you now, you don't care if anyone's gay. No, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I, I did not do it over homophobic tendencies whatsoever. I was not you raised just did in that it type you of thought, you thought It was an easy this... hundred bucks. Yeah. It was an easy hundred bucks. They weren't going to call the cops because they were down there doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. Right. If the cops came, I'm 16, guy. Yeah. I'm 16. What are, you, what are you talking about? He wanted to get his dick sucked by me. I see what you're so saying. So do you understand me? It yeah. was like a win-lose everything. And, and But that beating changed my outlook on life. It changed my outlook. You never know who the fuck is in that other car. He may be small and gay, but he might light you the fuck up. Right. It made me open my eyes to life. So we were talking about uh, Wendy's uh, child. Yeah. It's the same experience. Same. I mean, he wasn't in the wrong. He was just sitting on a fucking train minding his own business, but he took something from it. Yeah. I took something from that experience. First of all, I respected gay men like a motherfucker after that. Right. Because I realized that they were just gay in sexual preference. They want, they're still men, and they'll still light you the fuck up. And uh, 
it just made me realize what the fuck I was made of and everything. Because I, as the story ended, I punched him in the fucking throat and ran out of there. And he went down. But this is after he had punched me 30 fucking times in the head. Right. I mean, he caused some damage. He caused some fucking... I had a fucked up eye for a couple of days. You, I don't know, guys, if you ever got hit in the head, you hear that... Mm, right. For a couple of days, like you're at a constant yoga class and somebody hit yeah. the cymbal. That's what I heard. I mean, this guy fucked me up. So if anybody's listening and you've seen that video and you've thought different of me, please understand where I'm coming from. It wasn't my... That, that's a story I told 10 years ago. Right. And I tell it the same way I tell it now. That's what happened, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's a... That is a fucking trip joey that that you did that and that is definitely like you know a perfect ending that he beat the fuck out of you beat the fuck out of me yeah. i mean it was something that i remember and, it, and, and the beating wasn't even the worst part the worst part of the beating was that i had to run home from boulevard east to grand avenue at the time and, and that's like 12 blocks bleeding uh -huh. I mean, and tasting that blood, and I could feel like boogies were coming out of my nose mixed right. with blood, and you're trying to breathe, and you can't breathe, and, right. and knowing that this fucking guy just humiliated me. To this day, I'm like, bro, if two, I was two minutes away from sucking his dick, he would have made me suck his dick. I, you know, he right. would have really broke me. Yeah. He would have broke me of, what is that, when Rick James did to white women? He flipped them. What is Rick <laughs> James know. do? What did he, he do to white women? Turns them out and shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is a crazy uh, fucking story. Yeah, you know, uh, so you got emails of people saying that's terrible that you did that. And, and I mean, it is terrible. And I explained the email, it. Yeah. and then people went away, you know, after yeah. some emails. I think I've only got one Facebook on it. I explained myself yeah. again on Facebook. And yeah, look, a lot, you know, like sometimes you do shitty stuff, and, uh, uh, and karma rears its ugly fucking head. And. Uh, uh, sometimes you get a second chance. You luckily have gotten Holy. many fucking chances. And sometimes, you, you know, situations like that would have been so easy. He could have had a knife. He could have had a gun. He could have had a knife. I was on suicide bridge. You could have, what about if you would have hurt uh, someone like that to the point of Punched you would have been get, got, got oh. in jail? You know, you could, like, in prison, like, and, and it's, you know. I went one night with this kid, Tommy Russo. That was probably, and that was after I got the beating. Me and this kid, my senior year in high school, I quit high school. Right in the beginning of my senior year, I found a job at Mazback Century Hardware. And I quit high school, and I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to stay on the street and bang it out and live my life, and somewhere along the line, I'll get it together. And what I would do is, uh, finally, like October that year, or November, they talked me into going back to school. And I went back to school, but I got together with these guys, and that's what we would do every night, was just petty theft to, to all levels, little gas stations, Sears, stealing stereos from Sears brand. We weren't into cars, nothing like that. We'd steal stereos out of Sears. I remember they had a whole wall of car stereos. We took every single one of those blah punk motherfuckers. They had no security in those days, you know. And uh, every night we did some. Every, I mean, Felicia, every night. Some kids go out to drink beer. We went out to rob. I remember we, got, we were going to rob a gas station. We got together to rob it. And, and we went in, and the guy was washing his hands, and he put the money on the counter. So here we were planning to rob him with a gun at gunpoint. He had the money on the counter. We took the money and ran. I mean, there's so many stories from that, and that was Jay, one of the things. Didn't you ever feel guilty in the midst of it, guilty a second later? I mean, not just guilty now, but uh, uh, didn't you... What? Didn't you ever have empathy for people you were doing please, this against? Please, please. Well, at the time, again, at the time, again, there was no empathy in my life because I had felt that there was no empathy for me. 
I mean, there must have been times when people were crying and begging for you to leave them alone. No, 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 no. It wasn't like that. No, no, no. Well, I'm not a bully. Still, but you I'm not a bully. Pull, but if you pull a knife on someone, weren't people like, oh, no. Like, even when you no, were no, no, beating no, no. up gay guys, didn't people freak out? Or did, I, I when never you pulled, pulled a knife a gun, on nobody like you that. You never pulled a gun and someone started crying and someone started no, begging or got no, really no, no. scared? The only, the only person that I really... I affected in a way was that day with Kent Vela and the kidnapping because I, I know that when he was on the floor, he realized a lot of shit. You know, when yeah. you're on the floor tied up with a pit bull in the room and you're handcuffed and duct taped, you know, he his whole life came crashing on the afternoon and he kind of broke down. And I remember I, I, I had many of those breakdowns, not with guns in the room. I, I had those breakdowns in my life at the time also. So I knew what he was going through, and I picked him up, and I explained to him that this was going to be over, but then we went and got the house. But that was possibly the only guy that ever really, you know, really caved. And like I said, when I was a kid, it wasn't about, let's rob Felicia Michael's house, because you were on the right side of the law. We weren't going to fuck with you. If you were on the opposite side of the law, we would fuck with you. Right. You follow me? If you were doing something that was illegal... They, we would fuck with you. And it's the same thing goes. A lot of those times, a lot of those people that we fuck with call the mob leaders in the neighborhood. And they would fucking call for us, you know, or say, hey, man, what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, and they would laugh like, you guys are fucking out there. And eventually, one of, the, one of us was going to get a beating. But thank God I left before that day ever came. Yeah. You know, thank God I came. I fucked with a lot of weird people, man. Yeah, well, I'm sure. I fucked with a lot of weird people. So when this people. gay guy was kicking the shit out of you or beating you up or whatever, was he? What was he saying to you? Like, was he? You know, was there any words exchanged or he? It was just you know, fist of fury. Like what? it was fist of fury, and he was like, "You like Robin?" And he kept going into the street to flag a cop down. And 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 I was coming too. You know, I would I would like start to come too. Like what the fuck? And he would run back in and punch me eight times. And then run out to the street and he was trying to flag a cop, you know. And I don't understand the basic because I would have said, hey, I would, you really think I'm just down here? I was, he was trying to, I was down here going for a walk and he, was, he asked me to suck his dick. I never understood. But uh, that, that was it. I mean, it was nothing. It was fast, Felicia. It, yeah. was, it was something that, I mean, me picking up the guy and walking with him was like, it seemed now an eternity, like 20 minutes. The beating seemed like a minute. Yeah. And I still remember getting up and running. Like, he was on the floor holding on to his throat. I remember me just getting up and starting to run. And I was still out of it. Like, I didn't even know what north, south, east, west. He had beat me that bad. I just started running. You ever see a dog get hit by a car? Right. They go in shock and they just start running. That's what yeah. I did. I just started running. And then I, as the running and breathing, I caught myself, you know, on fucking right. Hudson Avenue. And I knew what direction. Now I'm on Bergen Line. And all right, a couple more blocks. Did you, you know? ever see that guy out in public again? Or? No, this is, North Bergen's a huge place. Yeah. And the thing about North Bergen was a lot of city guys were coming over to this bridge oh, to get yeah. their dick sucked. You know, just to get their fucking balls janked. And probably the same thing happened on the other side, you know. Yeah. Just Jersey guys going over the bridge and stuff. I'll tell you what, I didn't go to Boulevard East for years after that shit. Oh, really? And Boulevard East had my favorite fucking hot dogs and lemonade ever. <laughs> ever. That motherfucker made the best lemonade, Fat Ernie. R.I.P. He's dead now about 15 years. Yeah. He was about 500 pounds and yeah. he was missing two fingers from cutting lemons all right. his life. He would make you a hot dog and then <laughs> cut lemons. And he was 400, so he would call you. He would shake the lemons right. like the lemonade. Uh -huh. He would have the cups ready with sugar in them. And then he would cut the lemons, put the lemon in, and then put club soda in. You never had that right. dimension on a street corner. And he would take numbers. He was also taking gambling bets then. Right. And he would shake 
when he'd make you the lemonade, and he was 500 pounds, so his titties would shake, and we'd call him Shaker. Yeah. <laughs> my it name seems- is Ernie, cocksucker. Shaker, shake me three lemonades. Oh my God. It does seem kind of appropriate that you should get the fuck beat out of you by a gay guy and yearn for a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> After that for years. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite the thing. We always talk about comedy on here and whatnot, and I don't like talking about comedy. And the reason why is, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you know that one of the top-rated comedy podcasts is the Mark Maron podcast. He's a friend that I read an article they did about him in the New York Times the other day. And it was a very interesting article about how he's breaking even and blah blah blah. But he's been like, uh, he's been he kicked the door down on his business. Absolutely, I uh, you know what I completely uh, admire Mark Maron, and I'm not kissing ass. I've uh, known Mark Maron for a long time. I am not his uh, best friend by any means, but he's uh, always uh, been very kind and uh, generous to me as a fellow performer. And uh, and he's also been, uh, you know, he's a he's a smart fucking guy. Smart guy. <clears throat> he's one of the smarter guys in comedy, and I, and I mean. Uh, I think the world of Mark Maron as a performer, and I admire the fact that he's been doing podcasting, what, a little over a year? But he kicks out... uh, 220,000 downloads and two podcasts a week. Yeah. That's That's 110,000. Two podcasts a week. Two podcasts a a week. That's a lot, guys. That's a lot. One person, that's a lot. He does have guests. He has guests, and he uh, interviews some top-notch comedy guys. And when we got into this podcast thing, one of our decisions was to interview guests or whatnot or take it into a comedy realm and we come out here the one thing that a lot of people compliment on, on our magic you know that we have together because we're not forcing it this right. is us just talking we come over we smoke a few cigarettes we drink some coffee and we're just talking right. and I think that we carry the people into their living rooms and that's part of having a podcast I didn't really want to sit down here and sell you people dates or sell t-shirts on here or CDs what I do want to do and this comes to the bottom of my heart from Felicia's hearts is we get a lot of requests for people that hey when are you coming to this town do us a favor if you're in a town and you want to see us, email the club owner. Let yes. them know, hey, man, I'm fans of Joey Diaz and Felicia Michaels. Can we bring them together with a podcast? And you'll be helping us out. And we get to meet you. And we could all work this fucking thing together. As you know, I got no passport. And I won't have one for a while. So, UK, I'll be there soon. You know what I'm saying? Especially once they hear this fag story. I'm going to push it back so another UK fucking guys, six months. You get your dick sucked with ultimate freedom. <laughs> So, UK, Ireland, I'm on my way, cocksuckers. You know I love you, Australia, all you cocksuckers, to Canada, Toronto. But I got no passport. But anybody in the States that really wants to see myself and Felicia, I'd love to meet you guys. Oh, absolutely. And we do travel quite a bit uh, uh, with our comedy. You have Vegas coming up. I have uh, Texas coming up. Whatever. We have a whatever, lot of Whatever, you know. And uh, so, but uh, but uh, give the uh, club uh, an email and a shout out and say, hey, what about uh, Joey Diaz and Felicia? Marcus and our dates, we're not going to sell them to you on this podcast because this is not this podcast about. We tried it. We tried doing it we and tried I cut it, it out. It's, it's, but it's, you know what? I want the podcast to be able to stand on their own. Yeah. I don't want it to be not. comedy driven because there's, like he said, Mark Marin's is such a pure comedy podcast. I don't even want to compete with that. And that wasn't my intentional. That yeah, wasn't our, our intention. Is a little bit a little different. different. Yeah. So, and, and when someone does something uh, spectacularly, you know, uh, you just got to admire it and uh, figure out your own way. And by the way, he's a, been a great guy to us. Give, he has given me quite a bit of advice uh, when I email him and ask him things. And uh, and if you are a big comedy fan, you should go listen to Mark Marin's podcast. That's right, because we just talk about 
crazy shit here. Not we really. do our own fucking weirdness. A lot of people <laughs> always hit us up and they say, you know, we want you to talk about more about your open mic and what experiences you had. And I don't yeah. even know where to start. You know, and I know you have your illustrious comedy career is, is mind boggling. Your resume is mind boggling. And you talk about, I mean, we're unorthodox open mics. I mean, while Felicia was open micing, she was stripping. Yeah. And while I was open micing, I was robbing with three hands and selling drugs in the city. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a weird thing, but I cherish that fucking memory oh, with all my heart. Absolutely. From the hard times in New York City, stealing oh, quarters out of yeah. the, stealing quarters out of the ashtray at the service department at, 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 a, at a Subaru dealer I worked at in Manhattan to come across the bridge. I will cherish those times for a rolling a joint, smoking in front of the CBS building on 57th Street on the walk up from. 11th Avenue up and saying one day to myself, I'm going to be on CBS. And people walking by me going, put that fucking joint out, cocksucker. Right. <laughs> Those are my open days, you know? Oh, I have great memories of, of doing open mic. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we're different. Uh, we're just, you know, we're kind of the prize of comedy. I've said that before, and I know that gets on your nerves probably. But we come from a different approach, whereas most uh, comics, uh, in some sense, come from uh, college, from sketch groups in college, or they want to be writers, or, you know, I mean, uh, we're definitely from the street, so there's no reason to compete with a, uh, uh, a book person like Mark Marin. <laughs> there's you know, no reason to do that. It's funny because he does it quite well. There's a guy that promotes on Wednesday nights, Matt Taylor. And I give him a lot of props because he's at that open mat. Oh, I you just met know. him. Yeah, he, I did he, the comedy store on, on Thursday. Thursday. He yeah. was there, yeah. He's, he promotes that show, and he works real hard. He has people out. And it's so weird. I was telling him one night, him and I were just bullshitting in front of the ha and I was telling him, you're so lucky. And I was telling him my stories, how I would have to get up at 7, whether at my, my job. I used to sell cars in the city, and I would have to get up at 7 because that's the only time I could ride on the bus for free. My friend's dad was a bus driver in Jersey to New York. Uh -huh. so that's the only, even if I had to be in at 10, I had to go in at 7. Right. And I remember walking Hell's Kitchen and women asking me for blowjobs at 8 in the morning. Hey, you want a blowjob? And I would think to myself, are you getting off or just getting on? Like, is your shift just start? You know what I'm saying? Like, his women in Hell's that Kitchen. Would, that would weigh on your decision whether to get the blowjob. No, no, no. <laughs> I remember walking in Hell's Kitchen thinking that to myself. Right. And then selling cars all day. Then at 9 o'clock, going to a boxing gym, hitting a bag for a little while, taking a shower, taking a switch of clothes out of that, and going to the old Triple M and the comic strip and doing right. open mic, standing on line and shit. And then from there, I would take a, I would either call one of my criminal buddies or have cash, and they would beat me throughout the day and tell me what they wanted. So I go to 178th Street and pick up coke for them and charge them a little, like ten bucks extra and take a grandma out or whatever. And that's how I made a fucking living yeah. while I was an open mic. That's a unique, unique way. And I would dress up. There was one job I had. I had to drop off packages uh -huh. for people, but I would case the offices while I was dropping off the packages <laughs> of for a phone were. company. They would give me 400 cash every Thursday. I had to drop off 20 packages a day oh, in really? different offices. That's it. They, they said, you know, just drop off 20 packages. So I would go to like 18th Street and pick up the fucking packages and then just drop them off in the city of different offices. And then the salesman would call them, and that's how right. I get my commissions. I drove a limo, and they gave me the limo. They would give you the limo because you were on call. And i take the limo to New York, and I would get tickets everywhere. Right. And the limo company called us. Like, you, you're not going to get a check till 2015 because you're into us like for 10000 in tickets. I'm not kidding you. I just was getting tickets. Right. I'm not going to park and $15. Fuck it. Double park. Right. <laughs> Put it on the limo company, motherfuckers. Right, right. You know, that was my open mic. And in between all that, I had to write and, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, it was just amazing that you're open mic and you sit back and you're like, those are the best times of my life. You know? Well, you know, I had a very interesting experience in the last couple of weeks with uh, uh, things that I did when I was younger. And uh, I told you on New Year's Eve, I took the activity partner to Cheetahs to go see Sam Tripoli's Naughty Show because our uh, mutual acquaintance, Danielle Stewart, was on it. And I had done the show before and it's a great show. And and uh, and because uh, I used to be a stripper when I was younger and the activity partner knows that I'm completely comfortable in a strip club. And it's it's kind of tame, you know. But I just was thinking as I was watching these girls, like, you know, like, the girls are really good now. It's not like when I was a stripper. When I was a stripper, you just strutted out, showed your pussy, you know, bent <coughs> over, did the money shot, give me my money, motherfuckers. It's a tough economy it's, out there, it's dog. Now. They these got girls, costumes these girls and are like, oh, the Corbett's and Nadia Comaneci's, and it's like, what the fuck? I would have never been able, I would have, now, I would have never, if I had to be a stripper now, I would never be able to be a stripper. I gotta, would not be able to You gotta to sell do that it. pussy now, dog. You I know. Sell, you gotta, you gotta give, know. The, especially if people have gone to Vegas before, they go to a strip club and I'm like, this is blase. We want to see firecrackers and you know, know. A dart coming out of your pussy like a Bruce Lee movie. You, you know? gotta bring customers if they if you're allowed to get on stage. That's how bad fucking <laughs> that's how bad. You know what the problem is is because uh, uh pussy has been oversold. Pussy has been oversold, and I'm fucking sick of it. I don't believe it. I think pussy I, can oh, never be please. oversold. Pussy has completely been the oversold. The pussy the valley has dropped. My ex called me the other day and it was a traumatizing call. You know, another one. I love her to death. We moved here together. She supported right. me here. Oh, okay, yeah. And she's 45 or something. The stripper girl. And still shaking that ass. But last week we were talking, and she's telling me how she goes, you know, the club I work at is a real fucking club, Joey. It's not, you got to you gotta work it. She goes, I go in there, I make a 1000 bucks. It's an old school club. She goes, I charge 100 for a blowjob and two for a piece of ass. And she's what? telling me this oh, on the yeah. phone. I'm like... And then she goes, and it's so funny because one, and, and her voice and everything, I can't even do it. She's like, you don't understand. One minute I'm sucking a dick, the next minute I'm a PTA with two moms. Because all her Facebook <laughs> pictures are her playing the tambourine with the kids and skiing and shit. Good for her. Oh, I love her. her. Yeah. I give her all that. She's like, I don't mind yeah. sucking a dick so my kids live, you know, great. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm 40-something. My pussy's all worn up. I ain't spitting out no more kids. She's like, and that's what she said to me. She goes, oh I have a little God. bit of a, she goes, I have a little bit of a cough because I sucked a dick without protection last week. That's how crazy this girl is. Right. This is oh, why I have always loved her to death. I don't know if I let her suck my dick anymore. I mean, she's my girl. Well, and I love it. It depends if it's at the beginning of the shift or the end of the she's shift. <laughs> Can you imagine someone coming to you at a quarter to eight, you want your dick sucked? A quarter to eight, really? Who's looking for a fucking Hummer at a quarter to eight? Email us at beautythebeastpodcast at gmail.com with any questions or suggestions. Thank you to all our sponsors, Skin Industries and Adam and Eve. Have a great week. Stay black. Go kiss, Felicia. There you go. I mean, everybody knows that Barbara was the shit, Jackie.